Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a Monday edition. It is officially training camp because I had a moment today where I had no idea what day of the week it was. Uh, We had practice on Sunday, of course, and I woke up and there was a trash truck going around our neighborhood. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is it trash day? Which is normally Tuesday in our neighborhood. It was some other company, not ours. Uh, But I had this freak out moment where I had to take about five minutes to figure out exactly what day it was. So welcome to training camp. We also had our first rainy practice today. We stood out in the rain and watched. And the big news of the day from practice is Nick Chubb. Took a hit from Mac Wilson, uh, went into the locker room. For a while, we didn't know exactly what was going on. It turns out he is getting checked for a concussion. Uh, by the time you listen to this, maybe we'll, we'll have an answer as to whether he does or doesn't have one. But Mary Kay, kind of catch us up to speed on, on what happened on the play and with Chubb. Well, first of all, it happened in the driving, pouring rain. And I kept looking out there thinking, somebody is going to get hurt out there. But I was thinking more of a pulled muscle, a torn something, because the grass was so wet. And it just, uh, it just seemed to be dangerous conditions to be practicing in, in this pouring rain. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, Nick Chubb, you know, didn't, because of anything that had to do with the weather, uh, he got hit high. Uh, by by Mac Wilson after he took a little short pass to the left, a little out pass from Baker Mayfield. He caught the pass and and uh, Mac, who you know just got a little overzealous and really did not uh, take to heart what Kevin Stefanski has been preaching, which is we're putting the pads on, but we have to be careful. We have to practice smart. We have to take care of each other. So he went a little high. And Ellis, I know you got a good look at this. It was it's it was it's still hard to see practice, but Ellis did get a good look at this and helped. Uh, you know, describe a little that he kind of just went for the sort of like the shoulder, collarbone, you know, neck area, probably went a little higher than that if he ended up with a concussion. So, um, which we're going to, again, we don't know for sure if it is one, Uh, but immediately thereafter, Joe Woods, you know, was yelling at uh, Mac Wilson from clear across the field, knowing that this wasn't a team protecting situation. Then Kevin Stefanski kind of weaved his way through traffic to go have a conversation with him. I think part of this stems from the fact that, as Mac Wilson told us yesterday, uh, this linebacking court is very overlooked, very disrespected. I think they have chips on their shoulder. They have something to prove. And also the first day the pads go on, it's just, you know, it's a day I think that a lot of defensive players finally get a chance to make contact. You know, they get to make contact for the very first time. 
And up until that point, and even though it hasn't been a long time for the offensive players in this particular camp, up until that point, the offensive players get to look a little bit better because they're not getting hit. Uh, so it's the first day where, you know, you hear the crunch of the pads. And I think, you know, he might have gotten a little too excited. Words have been spoken to him. I'm sure he's learned his lesson. And hopefully Nick Chubb is totally fine. Yeah, so Ellis, what did you see? Yeah, the, the concussion, I'm guessing, came from probably him hitting the ground from the hit. Probably not Wilson's first contact with him, because from what I saw, um, you know, Nick Chubb went in the flats to catch a short pass and then just sort of got up the left sideline there. And football players are always, especially the defensive ones, are in this conundrum of when to let up on a hit and when to, especially when they get towards the sidelines and specifically in practice, because you run out of space there real quick. You're on a real estate and the two just met on a, in a pursuit angle type thing. Nick Chubb had a little lead on him. So the only way Mac was going to be able to, you know, get his hands on Nick Chubb and show he would have made the tackle was lunging for him. And unfortunately you get your, his hands over the shoulder pad and by his neck area. I'm using my hands here. This is a podcast. So just <laughs> ignore that. Uh, Dan Mary Kay, but um, yeah. And they both just went to the ground. You knew right away when you saw Mac uh, lunge for him, it wasn't going to be a, a pretty, uh, ball for Nick Chubb there it's one of those hits that in you know on an NFL Sunday uh, you probably don't think much of it despite you know him would have had to enter a protocol but um, in practice you just don't want to see it and you know Nick Chubb didn't look too happy getting up um, Joe Woods as you said Mary Kay was really barking at Mack a whole side of field length apart you know the defense was on one sideline and this play took place on the offensive sideline which is you know the length of the field and uh, Joe Woods went out to about the numbers and was really letting Mac hear it. Uh, and that's deservingly so. And Mary Kay, as you said, this is a young guy in Mac Wilson, you know, 22 years old in his second year, has sort of been crowned the, the incumbent uh, linebacker in that room, the dog check guy. And this is their chance to, to show some flash and stop letting the offense complete these easy passes on them with no pads on. And that's the price that Nick Chubb had to pay today. Uh, I'm sure Mac Wilson learned his lesson real quickly because that's one way to lose uh, playing time is by injuring your own players, especially a guy as important as the team as Nick Chubb. Okay, so it got me thinking. Um, if, you know, we, Nick Chubb is obviously should have won the rushing title last year. He ended up finishing second. He was clearly the best offensive player the Browns had a year ago. Uh, he's a guy that, look, if you started listing guys off, you probably really don't want to lose Nick Chubb. He's one of those guys that you really just can't afford to lose. Well, let's go ahead and make a little bit of that list. Let's put together this list of guys the Browns have that they cannot afford to lose. We'll put Nick Chubb on it. Uh, Mary Kay, who, who would you add to that list? Well, I would. The, the first person that comes to my mind really is Miles Garrett, just because, uh, you know, he is really the star of the defense. He is someone that can, can change a football game. He, you know, he can take over a football game so disruptive, uh, so explosive when he's on top of his game. And he's not somebody that you can easily replace. I mean, now, Nick Chubb, you can't easily replace Nick Chubb, but you can plug Kareem Hunt in there. And how often – we talk about this every single day. I mean, Kareem Hunt is such a darn good football player that they've got two of the best running backs in the NFL. But when you're talking about Miles Garrett, you don't have anybody else like Miles that you can plug in there. In fact – over this offseason, they tried to sign Jadavian Clowney. You know, they really wanted to do that. Uh, and, and they made some really good offers to him. And it just didn't work out. Uh, they also made a pitch for Yannick Nagakwe. 
And uh, that didn't work out either. The, the compensation just, you know, it just wasn't right at that time. But they did like him and they did express interest in him. So it's hard to find those good pass rushers. And I, I do believe that, I mean, it would be a devastating blow. And we saw some of that in the last six games of last season. It would be devastating to lose Miles Garrett for the year. Right. I mean, that's really all you have to do is just point to those last six games. I mean, we might, t we might be talking about a team that they didn't make the playoffs game close last year. Uh, if Miles Garrett doesn't get suspended for those last six games, and how does that change sort of the course of history for this franchise? So uh, not, not having Miles Garrett, uh, Ellis, is, would be a, a huge blow to this defense. And I think he is probably one of the least replaceable guys on this roster. Yeah, of course, from a st talent standpoint, he's irreplaceable, but the the, the problem the Browns have here up front is just their lack of depth. And even though a, a guy like Andrew Billings came in and signed as a defensive tackle, that still affects your front four and essentially your front seven together as a unit. So you, you lose Billings and now Miles Garrett hasn't been practicing. You start seeing how thin this unit is up top. Um, I think today I saw, you know, Olivier Vernon and Chad Thomas taking the first the starting snaps at both the end spots, but, you know, Olivier does, isn't, um, a 16 game per season player either you know you have to be ready for a guy like him to maybe get nicked up and and miss some time and that's the issue with losing miles it's not just the talent it's that you lose billings and now you have less bodies to go around because what makes uh the browns front four so interesting is how versatile they can be you think of a guy like sheldon richardson who showed that he can still play defensive end in this league last year when he was asked to do that, where Billings was a player who would play inside, and then you could move Sheldon Richardson outside, and you can cover some things up if you have Billings still around this team. But without that, you lose your ability to roll as much, and they're just – they're simply, they're just thin. And Miles Garrett is a guy that they can't afford to miss because of the talent and then also the lack of talent they have behind him. All right, Ellis, give us uh, another name for the list. For me, I'm going to go with Denzel Ward. Uh, I know Browns fans saw early last year that uh, this team could win with uh, their, really their backup secondary. I remember the, the whole starting secondary was out, I think, that uh, – what was that, a Thursday night game or the Sunday night game against the Rams. Um, and, you know, they, they all played really well, but guys like Eric Murray are not here anymore. Those versatile corners that you can plug in and trust them anywhere in the box outside. Uh, I know Kevin Johnson's a, a guy that we talked to today who's going to get an opportunity – to uh, you know, play on a one-year deal and pro probably go make some good money next year if he can stay healthy and find his footing again. But the reason I say Denzel Ward is because this year for him is just you know a lot like Baker Mayfield. It's it, it's a prove-it year. There's not probably much as on the line for Denzel as there is Baker. But if Denzel can come out and play like a shutdown corner, the number four overall pick that he is, this defense is going to look completely different. And then behind that. Denzel again it's not look they got Kevin Johnson got Greedy Williams but after you lose a, your group of three like that and you're really gonna have three DB, DBs on the field a lot the team gets gets thin once again so combine Denzel Ward's potential with the team needing to know what he kind of corner he really is and then again with a lack of depth at that position Denzel Ward's a guy that cannot miss time this year yeah and, and I think even even though um Denzel Ward is, is universally regarded as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And, and I do agree with you, Ellis, that it would be a devastating blow to lose him, especially uh, in today's game, especially going against all of uh, the, you know, the three wides that you're going to see so often and the sub defenses that you're always in. I mean, you need to have 
essentially three starting cornerbacks. I mean, you really have to have that. And to lose one of them and your best one, uh, that would be a crushing blow. Having said that, I do think that it, it is the year that Denzel needs to pick his game up even a little bit more. And I think he needs to establish himself as the, as the true leader in that secondary. I think he needs to be a little bit more vocal uh, amongst his teammates. I think he needs to be maybe a little bit more vocal on the field, uh, even though that might not necessarily be his personality. He's not, a, you know, the big trash talking guy per se. Um, but I do think that everyone in the secondary needs to, uh, to get their hands on more footballs, first of all. And then uh, Denzel needs to, he really struggled with some tackling last year and was rated pretty lowly um, with that. So, uh, but I do agree with you. I mean, losing him would be devastating, especially because Greedy is still coming along. Yep. Greedy, you know, Greedy is a de, you know, still almost a developmental player that had to get in there and start right away. Uh, but he, he, he's not at the Denzel level yet. Okay, uh, let's see. I got to come up with somebody. And we're not doing the quarterback here. That's, that, that one's too obvious. I'm going to go with a guy that is taking it real easy right now. We saw him on the practice field in day one. He did not practice today, the first day in pads. Uh, I'm going to go with Jarvis Landry. I think he's a guy, you know, you could make the case for Odell Beckham as well. And, and that would certainly be, I wouldn't argue with that. But I think Jarvis Landry is really important to this receiving core because of what he does represents off the field, but he's been probably Baker Mayfield's most, <clears throat> excuse me, most reliable target dating back to the second half of 2018. Everybody talked about Richard Higgins and uh, how that connection worked, but it's really been Jar Jarvis Landry who's probably been the most important receiver on this team since he actually got here in that off season of 2018. So I'm going to go with Jarvis. I, I think if, he's slowed and for some reason can't be out there in week one or if, if he ends up missing time and this is a guy that has never missed an NFL football game in his career, I, I think this team would really miss his presence out there and really miss what he brings. You know, it's easy to see why you would pick Jarvis ahead of Odell because the season that they're coming off of, uh, we just never really looked out there and saw that magic between Odell and Baker Mayfield uh, that you would have expected to see. Now, hopefully for the Browns, it will be there this year. There, there have already been some times in practice where they've connected well together and they look really good together. And I think it will be a lot better because there's obviously a plan and there's structure and all that kind of stuff uh, in the offense. But I can, I can easily see why you would choose Jarvis Landry because he already does have that natural connection with Baker Mayfield. He is always there. He's always reliable. He catches every single thing that comes his way. And it just always seems like if you need a play, Jarvis is going to make that play for you. And, uh, and I definitely think that, you know, that, that that would be absolutely crushing if he were lost for any length of time. Yeah, Dan, so much of what Jarvis does for this team is off the field too. Of course, his numbers speak for themselves. But, and I, again, I know there's connective tissue, um, guys like Joe Batonio, JC Treader. Uh, but as for someone that is a face of the Browns uh, transformation, if you will, and bear with me here. I believe it's been three years now since Hard Knocks aired that video of Jarvis kind of snapping about, you know, the rep here in Cleveland, how things needed to change. And, you know, if the Browns are able to make the playoffs this year, I could see someone on NFL Twitter, you know, stringing both those videos together, one of Jarvis snapping and then maybe one from later in the year of him 
having another rallying call and stuff like that, and just to see how things come full circle. So though there are plenty of Browns who have been here longer than Jarvis, he seems like such an important connective piece to the hump this organization is trying to get over, which seems now to hopefully be ending with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. This seems like a, uh, a soft deadline, if you will, a, a culmination of this journey that started when they brought Jarvis Landry in here as, you know, one of those first bigger signings. And so not only what he does bring to the field, but it's that, that spirit in the locker room. He's, all these receivers are tough, but there's something about Jarvis where he plays almost like a running back at times. Uh, Jarvis missing any significant time for this team, the offense would just feel and look different, I'm sure of it. All right, real quick before we uh, take a break and then move on to practice. Anybody to add? Anybody that we, we absolutely have to have on this list? Ellis, I know you had a name. Uh, Mary Kay, you look like you're thinking of somebody too. So real quick, uh, who, who, should, who else should we add on this list, Ellis? Yeah, yeah, real quick. I just want to mention Kareem Hunt. And Dan, we talked a little bit of it, about it off air because, you know, these teams have two great running backs and in a Madden type situation, one goes down, you can just plug the other in. But just from watching this training camp so far, it is so clear how important Kareem Hunt is going to be to this offense, not only when the ball's in his hands, but how defenses react to him. And Kevin Stefanski is going to send him on so many high-low looks coming out of the backfield with a tight end behind him and really stress what these defenses can do. I know Nick Chubb can go out and catch the football, but he, he's just not the, as natural as a receiver as Kareem Hunt. That's first and foremost. And defenses are going to respect Kareem Hunt as a, a decoy far before they respect Nick Chubb as a decoy in that aspect. So kind of like how Kyle Husechek or George Kittle is such a vital part of Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think we're going to see Kareem Hunt be that same staple for Kevin Stefanski. It's yeah, and luxury. This, oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I was going to say in the same way that that might not be foremost in our minds because we didn't see it like that last year. You can see the potential. You can see where this is going. And these guys on this coaching staff, are going, going to know what they have in Kareem Hunt and just what he can do. And he has been lights out already in the, just the first few days we've watched. And, and we are getting to see sort of how they want to use him, like you mentioned, Ellis, you know, not just as a runner, but lined up at receiver and, and all sorts of different things. And it's a luxury when you have a guy that, you know, might go out and win the rushing title. If he gets hurt, you got another guy that you can put out there and he might go win the rushing title. So that's, that's definitely a luxury. Mary Kay, did you have a name to add? And he already has won the rushing title. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to say Jedrick Wills, you know. I mean, left tackle is so vitally important, obviously, and that was a priority for this offseason. And all this time, not having that replacement for Joe Thomas has been – has really hurt this team. And I, I do think – I mean, now you would probably be able to move Jack Conklin over to the left side, and you could then probably plug in – Chris Hubbard, but having Jed and having Jack Conklin gives you two amazing tackles. And I think it would just be a trickle down effect if he's not there. Yeah. I mean, well, look, there's a reason they went out and signed one guy and drafted mm. another. And it's because the guys that you had here, some of whom you'd count on to step up and, and replace him. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got something stuck in my throat here. <laughs> weren't, weren't good enough last year. So you had to go out and, uh, and add some pieces. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to tell you about Football Insider. And then, hey, we're going to talk about practice because there was a practice today and a few more things happened than Nick Chubb getting dinged up. So we'll be right back. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, 
and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. Uh, We are going to talk about the practice. We saw it was pouring down rain for much of the practice. Now, of course, the Browns are in a weird situation because maybe in normal conditions, they'd move that inside. It also would have meant that we wouldn't have gotten to see anything at all. Uh, but they also don't have a very big field has to work with right now. It's been converted to a weight room. It's a small field anyway. It's only 80 yards. It's even less than that now because of the weight room. So they took the chance. They, they practiced outside. And I, I, I guess my impression is the first day in pads, it was all about the defense. They, they were the better unit out there. And I just thought the offense looked disjointed. Baker missed some throws. David Njoku dropped a couple passes. It just didn't look very fluid today offensively Mary Kay well you know I think it just seems like they did not handle the driving rain well and if they do have to play a game in the rain I think they can look back to this practice and they can say you know what the first time that we we tried to do this you know we jumped it up I mean like you said Dave Njoku dropped passes Nick Chubb uh, had a ball punched out of his hand Um, by, I think, by Kevin Johnson and recovered by B.J. Goodson. I mean, Nick Chubb usually doesn't do that. Um, You know, like you said, Baker Mayfield uh, tried to hit Odell on a deep ball, and he had him open behind the defense, and he way overthrew him. Uh, So it just seems to me – and now – you know, maybe maybe Odell didn't go as as full out as he as he can because he was running on on wet grass, and maybe he doesn't want to pull a hamstring or tear up a, a knee or something like that on on wet grass like that. Uh, so maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, I just don't think the offense handled the the rain, and every almost every second of the team drill occurred in almost like I mean it was just a downpour. And, and the, it did, it gave, it opened the door for the defense to come up, to make plays. And the defense was mad at itself for the, a day that it had yesterday. They dropped and did push-ups yesterday because they, you know, they didn't do well in, um, in red zone drills or 30 and in drills or whatever they were doing yesterday that we could, we were so far away. We had a hard time seeing the yard line, but um, they, you know, they let in a lot of touchdowns yesterday 
And, you know, they ended up uh, paying the price and doing some push-ups for that. And I think they wanted to come out today and make a statement in pads, and they did. And the offense now needs to rebound from that. Yeah, Ellis, what, what did you think of this practice? Yeah, well, Mary Kay nailed it. They couldn't handle the driving rain offensively. They couldn't. Uh, defenses tend to have a little bit of an advantage when those the pads go on, you know, that first practice, just because, you know, in shells, the offense tends to look nice. And, you know, defenses, they're about hitting. You know, they want to get after somebody, and the offense wants to stay clean and avoid that. So the defense was going to have a built-in advantage today, I thought, going in. But then with the rain, I was, I was surprised that they were even out there. Uh, I think Kevin Stefanski said a lot today about, how reluctant he's going to be to practice these guys inside. He probably has no interest getting any much work done on that field. Uh, might say a lot about how that indoor field really looks right now and how much limited space uh, the Browns are dealing with. Uh, but anyway, back to practice. Mary Kay, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Baker missed uh, deep to Odell. That was a play action shot, a uh, corner post that probably would have, you know, it's one of those touchdown shots, 50 yard uh, play action passes that, you know, you saw Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs hook up with. And I saw Odell sort of point, backwards to Baker and tap his chest as if it was his bad and for me that just felt like a, a, a classic Odell scenario where he took too long to get to a certain spot and these uh, two man play action pass concepts the route isn't as definitive it's not as important you just need to be in a certain spot downfield by a certain time and Beckham looked late there which is what made it look like Baker overthrew him and that's just me you know reading into the play and what I saw but Again, it, Odell's been known to do that. Take a little too long to get to some of his spots. Can't really blame him with the rain, which is, again, it goes back to well, I was surprised they were out there for so long uh, because it's hard to get stuff done. You mentioned David Njoku's two drops. Uh, his drop tracker uh, remains around there. At two back-to-back -back balls on the first team, one from Baker, I remember, one from Case Keenum. They weren't routine plays, but, you know, you still have to have them. But then, again, the rain makes a de facto excuse in there. So, just overall kind of a sloppy day for the offense. And when the coaches go and look at this tape, they're going to wonder how much they really got out of it because the rain uh, negates a lot of what you can do. But, hey, it's not, the, it's not the end of the world when your defense comes out and has a really nice day because we got to remember, these are still the offense and the defense facing each other. Come week one in Baltimore, they're going to be on the same team. So it's all right if the defense can win some of these days because they're going to need it going up against Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP. Yeah, and uh, the one thing that kind of stood out, and maybe this is because we're on the defensive side of the ball and we're kind of restricted to where we can go, but, but it just felt like the defense had more energy today. And again, those guys were right there. I saw them running through their drills. We, they were right there on that sideline where we were standing uh, behind them. But it just felt like there was more energy from that defensive side of the ball, which, which is good to see because that's the side of the ball you've got to be most, most concerned about at this point. Yep. it's good to see them have a good day like this, uh, but the offense just didn't seem like they could match that energy level. And it was just, you know, Ellis, even some of the play action stuff we saw was just, it all just seemed so much sloppier today and just so much, it just seemed more disjointed. And I think this is a precision offense and the rain maybe got to him. Worth noting too, Mary Kay, you said Nick Chubb doesn't fumble often and you're right, but the last time he did have fumble problems in the pouring rain in New England. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe and, we're and, on to something here. Yeah, and again, I, I do think, I attribute, and maybe I'm giving the offense too much of an out here, but I do attribute it to them just really not handling the wet football well enough today and just not, you know, not being ready for the intensity of the defense in the rain. It was almost like they kind of didn't want to be out there in the rain. Uh, and 
again, as we mentioned with Odell on, on that deep ball, I'm guessing that he just didn't feel safe right. in practice, opening it up 100% at that moment. Right. I, I don't know. I just feel like he probably knows his body well enough to know that that's a hamstring pull or, a, you know, some kind of a slide or a muscle pull waiting to happen. So I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm going to chalk most of this one up to the rain. Yeah. We'll get some plenty of padded practices to get a better idea of, of all this stuff. Not a lot downfield today. The only completion I really remember was the one to Taewon Taylor uh, from Baker. There just wasn't a ton going on downfield for this football team. So a good day for the defense. It always means a tough day for the offense. Sometimes I guess that's what makes, makes camp so hard to judge uh, because sometimes you can't have both working, working really well together. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you check out Football Insider because we were texting updates during practice, before practice. I know I jump on there and, and throw out my observations right away as I'm walking off the field. Mary Kay had the Nick Chubb stuff uh, going up today too. So make sure you check out Football Insider. I told you that number earlier. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Check that out and subscribe to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For Mary Kay and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.